Wow. When he's four days late, he's still on time. What an awesome song. Thank you, Jenny. That was just phenomenal. Well, we can go home now. (laughs) Wow, the Lord works. And he knits everything together. And I'm just amazed by how he's bringing this morning together. You know, and he's just reiterating that I'm on track. You know, turn your eyes upon Jesus. We're all witnessing troubled times. We're seeing it every day. O soul, are you weary and troubled? There's some souls that are weary and troubled. The title of the message today is Calamity, or excuse me, Claim Joy in the Spite of Calamity. Claim Joy in Spite of Calamity. In 1999, the two Hyde families took a trip to Disney World and Universal Studios in Florida. And at Universal Studios, some of us rode a a roller coaster. It was called the Hulk. And it comes to find out it's one of the fastest, highest, dippiest, whatever, roller coasters in the country. And it was pretty fun. It was one of those roller coasters that you weren't in a car, you got up on the saddle, then all of a sudden the floor dropped out and your legs are hanging there. And you got this bar that comes over you. What was kind of interesting about the Hulk is that as you start it up, you're just waiting and waiting and waiting. You know how roller coasters, they start up real high, and then you get to the point, and then it drops and takes you to the right? Well, this one was a little different. It starts up, and then about halfway up, it just shoots you straight up, and then down, then through all the ups and downs and turns and twists. And then all of a sudden, you come to an abrupt stop. And it was pretty fun. It was towards the end of the night. So we were able to get off, get back on, get off, get back on. We rode it about a half a dozen times. It was a blast. We had a good time. But that's a roller coaster. That's a ride at an amusement park. Could we live on that roller coaster? No. No. For a ride at an amusement park, it was fun. For that momentary time, the ups and downs and turns and twists were fun for what it was, an amusement park ride. This memory came to me as I prayed and reflected on the topic of the message, because life does have ups, downs, turns, and twists. How do we handle those? Does it distract us by life's ups and downs? Have we allowed the devil to steal away, steal away the joy that God gives us? God has a joy for us, which should be the fuel that keeps, keeps us burning for him. That joy keeps us burning for him. In my job, I meet many different people each day, new people every day. And I have a habit of asking them how they're doing. What I've been noticing, that there's a similar response. I'm hanging in there. It seems like many people are hanging in there. The inspiration of today's message comes from today's news headlines. The world is going through quite a bit of unrest. 
right before our eyes. Last week, Hugo spoke on a wonderful message about Psalm 2. And what was interesting is that Psalm 2 seemed like it was written just the day before. What we're seeing is nothing new and definitely not catching God by surprise. We're being bombarded by the bad news of the world. With the recent tragedy in Japan, we certainly can say we're living in uneasy times. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you this morning to ask for your guidance as this message is delivered. Lord, I pray it is from you. I pray it will touch our hearts. I pray it will bear fruit. And Lord, I pray that you're honored by it. Lord, we just thank you for this time, and we ask your blessing upon it. In your name, amen. Amen. So what is our response to the challenges which come our way daily, hourly, minute by minute, second by second, and moment by moment? The scientists are telling us that we're going to have a similar event in our backyard. This type of activity is predicted in the Word of God. How does this affect our attitudes and our outlook? Do we second-guess God in the life path He has us on? How do we not allow the goings-on cripple us in fear? How do we keep our head up? There's no other place to go but besides to Him. The joy God is talking about is not always fun and games and one party after another. We experience pain in troubled times. I was watching the first news of the earthquake and the tsunami in Japan, and it brought tears to my eyes. It brought tears to my eyes. How can we find joy with witnessing the current events as they're taking place? Do we see every moment as a great moment God has given us? How long is a moment? A moment can be a brief portion of time. A moment can be a portion of time to mark an event. Or a portion can seem like a long period of time in comparison to eternity. We need to remember that God is with us every moment by moment. Joshua 1, verse 5. No man is able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Claim it, own it, live with it. Life can be like a roller coaster. Full of ups and downs. Throwing us around like we're in a washing machine. We still have those ups and downs. But God is there to help us. God is there to help us not to be jerked around and not to be crippled by them. He enables us to see the freedom only he can provide if we allow him. Do we have more downs than ups? Are our emotions in a twist? Does the pending turns in life bring about fear? 
Do we have more frustrations than joy? We heard a couple of weeks ago that our time on earth here is limited. How does that affect us? Are we uncertain about the future? We may say to God, yeah, okay, I believe it. But does the pending reality bring fear to our hearts? Do we look at what is going on around us and wait for the dam of catastrophe to burst open directly in our lives? Does the day-to-day grind to stay above water keep joy from our lives? Are we waiting for the bad news from a doctor? Is life going by a little too fast and maybe not quite the way we've planned it? Is our bodies changing and not quite what they used to be 5, 10, 15 or more years ago? Just a personal note here. We all have chapter changes. Dates that mark stages in our life. Well, my last haircut was one for me. I looked down on the smock which covered my chest. I asked my barber if he was cutting his own hair at the same time. I asked him, where is this white hair coming from? He said, they're yours, brother. Welcome. I knew about the white ones in my beard and mustache. That was one chapter change. But here's the next. Have we created situations in our lives which we feel guilt, regret, and undeserving of God's grace and see no way out? Do we feel that we have failed God in some way and not good enough to be loved by him? Maybe we've ignored God and we think we cannot experience his forgiveness and are not deserving of a life walking with him. This is a big, fat lie. The only sin that keeps a person from God is the sin of unbelief. Romans 11.23 and they, and they also, if they do not continue in their unbelief, if they do not continue in their unbelief, He will graft them in. God is able to graft them in again. Grafting is an interesting process. It can be used in a plant, in a horticultural um, arena, or in surgery. And what it is, is you could take a, uh, in surgery, it's a portion of a living tissue that's surgically removed from one portion of a body and placed into another. It's quite common in heart surgery. My, uh, my supervisor recently donated a kidney. And he's been out for a few weeks. And what was fascinating about it is that that night that he, his kidney was taken out, it was flown across the United States to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and transplanted into the person. And they're both doing wonderfully. But now that kidney is no longer my boss's kidney. It is now that person's kidney, and it's keeping them alive. And they knitted it in, and they stitched it in, and they grafted it in. And now that kidney is that person's kidney in Pennsylvania. Grafting. Are we trying to replace God with a type of lifestyle? 
Are we trying to replace the deep, joyful relationship with God by overdoing? Overworking to pay for the pull of materialism. This steals away joy away from our lives. It strains our relationships. It leads to the strain of increased pressures for the extra bills. We're fixed on the bondage of debt, and this robs us of joy. Do we get down by not meeting some type of status or title? Perfectionism, beating ourselves up to make sure that everything we do is flawless. Escapism, entertainment, hobbies, traveling, Internet, games, our physical appearance. All in moderation are not dangerous. It's the overdoing that robs us from the joy of building relationships with God and the people around us. Busyness and striving to always please others beyond what God's will is. Again, in moderation. And the parameters of God's will are not dangerous. It's the overstriving that makes them dangerous. What is joy? Where do we get it? And why do we need it? Joy is a beautiful gift from God. And part of the fruit of the Spirit. The dictionary defines joy as an emotion of great delight or happiness caused by something exceptionally good or satisfying. But I'm afraid this definition just scratches the surface and does not dive deep, does not dive into the deep joy that the Lord says we can have with Him. The Word of God speaks about a fruit of the Spirit. This fruit refers to what takes place in a Christian's life and evidence where his heart is. The fruit has many attributes, but it is all one fruit. The description of the fruit of the Spirit begins love, joy. Then it goes peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The fruit of the Spirit does not contain words like frustration, discouragement, worry, anxiety, depression. Having joy has an internal and an external presence in a Christian's life. Joy can be seen by others. It is contagious. It encourages. It strengthens. Being joyful shows evidence of a strong faith, courage, and confidence in God. I saw a quote by Lena Horne during the Oscars, and it kind of struck me. And they made a big deal about it, and it says, It's not the load that breaks you down, it's the way you carry it. Well, Miss Horne was almost correct. Our attitude is critical. But she left out one vital element. Christians, we do not have to carry our load alone. Christ is there to help us, and when needed, carry it for us. And if needed, he will carry us. We may have a tendency to put this part of the fruit of the Spirit on the back seat of our lives. Since we may think it to be a little bit too selfish to be too joyful when there's so much catastrophe going on around. 
Joy is definitely an aspect of the fruit of the Spirit. So this tells us God wants us to have it. Our joy affects others as well as ourselves. Being joyful is an encouragement to us and to the people around us at home, church, work, school, shopping, driving, driving. Wherever we go, we can affect people. What does the word of God say about this? I think we can put this to rest quickly. Philippians chapter four, verse four. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Done. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. The word rejoice begins with the prefix re, R-E. And this means again and again or repetitive action. The word, alway, the word always means all the time. The second word, joyce, comes from a French word, ajouya, J-O-U-I-R, meaning joy. Not only does the word rejoice in itself say to have repetitive joy, Paul says always, and then he repeats it in saying, again, I say rejoice. Remember where he wrote this. He wrote it from prison. He wrote it from prison. He was under tremendous difficulties. And in the midst of these difficulties, he said and wrote, Rejoice in the Lord always. He wrote Colossians, Ephesians, Philemon, Philippians, all from prison. How could a person not let the surrounding circumstances influence his writing of these precious letters? He was focused on Jesus Christ. The message he was putting out to the world was more important than his own situation. Paul was more than a positive thinker. He had his heart on the eternal purpose of Jesus and serving him. We have an eternal purpose. Purpose gives us a reason for being. Purpose gives us drive each day to prepare ourselves to be used and to be used for God's glory. Having a deep joy tells us that we are in line with God's will. Obedience to God brings joy to us and to God. Knowing that we are in his will and following him in his directions brings us joy and God, deep joy. When we're not obedient to God's word, it brings about shame. Remember the sin of Adam and Eve? They tried to hide from God. Do we have a sin in our lives which makes us uncomfortable to be in God's presence? What is the supreme example of obedience? Joy through obedience. We discussed earlier about Paul and what he went through and what he did. But the supreme example is, of course, Jesus Christ. Hebrews 12.2. Fixing our eyes upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, And has sat down at the right hand of God.
What would bring joy to Jesus in this time of suffering? His joy came from knowing that what he was doing was in obedience to his Father's will. An example comes to mind in our lives, which in some way can resemble the joy Jesus had, and that is a mother giving birth. Pain beyond pain is experienced, with joy at the end making the pain worth it. Having joy in your life is evidence that you're trusting God. Joy shows that God, joy also shows God that we are pleased with Him and the life He has given us and how He provides for us. Do we grieve the Holy Spirit by not living joyful lives? God wants us to have those. Do we put ourselves in a self appointed place of suffering? Whatever we did or have done, God can restore joy to our lives. We may, have the, we may have to live with the consequences of our sin actions, but he is also available to help us through those. Our Heavenly Father can restore lost or stolen joy. He is waiting to do so. After all, didn't he restore our relationship with him? By providing his son to pay the price for our sin. Do we put limitations on God? Do we put limits on what we think he can and is willing to do? His timing is not like ours, as the song pointed out. And he may require changes to be made. But after all, God is holy and able we can ask him to restore the joy which may have left us. What is it that occupies our thoughts when no one is around? Are we thinking about the what ifs, the it should, it should be's, the I wish, the God if only? What do we ponder during the time when our head is on the pillow? Are we being swayed by the propaganda that the devil tries to implant in our lives? Are we looking at life as, why bother? Do we say, Lord, I'm ready for you to come, but for all the wrong reasons? Are we looking forward to the Lord's return for self-centered and incorrect reasons? I'm not saying that we should not look forward to his pending return with great anticipation. But do we try to rush him? for our own desires so we do not have to face the challenging obstacles in our lives. I once heard a speaker at a Men's Promise Keepers event. If God wanted to save us just to save us, he would have taken us to heaven after he had saved us. God's plan was to leave us here temporarily and gave us a great eternal purpose, a holy calling in the lives he has given us. 2 Timothy 1.9 Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and the grace which he granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. Where do we get joy? We need to begin with the root of our faith. What does God say? We need to go to him and begin reading and listening to what he says about the subject 
Romans 10:17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. We need to begin with our relationship with Christ. Read God's word. The devil tries to lure us away from taking time to read it. If we're not taking the the time to read God's word, we will drift in the life that we have. The direction that drifting takes us all depends upon the winds and the tides and the storms. When drifting occurs, we're unable to be, we're being set up for disaster. First, First, we need to make sure that we're grafted into God. We need, to have the, we need to have a one-on-one relationship with him. The devil uses various tactics to assault this portion of the fruit of the Spirit. The word propaganda and what it is used for is information, ideas, or rumors deliberately spread widely to help or harm a person, group, movement, institution, or nation. Propaganda is a tactic which is often used during wartime to sway the thoughts of people to think a certain way, which may not necessarily be the truth. It is used in news stories, radio, posters, print media, and now even the Internet. This type of communication can be very deceiving because it can resemble the truth. We need to continually ask the Lord for discernment as we walk in our lives. Discernment means to detect, distinguish, to come to know or recognize. This is a God-nurtured ability to be able to see what is truth and what is not. Paul writes in Philippians 1.9, And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and discernment. We need to continually stay close to the Lord and taking Him everywhere with us, always walking in His Spirit, We need to constantly be filtering the goings-on in our lives with His Word and the Holy Spirit. What influences our attitudes towards Jesus? It is up to the Christians to present Jesus to people around us. We have a family. We have families. And as parents, do we present to our children a joyful life in Christ? We as parents are to be the example It gives me great joy to spend time with my family. The key to the joy here is spending time. I am very thankful for the relationships of the people I have in my family. I've been building a new relationship with my granddaughter. I see us becoming very close. I can attribute this relationship to getting down to her level and spending time with her, talking to her, listening to her. We blow bubbles. We play with her dolls. That's right. I play with dolls. Go ahead. We play blocks and games. And you know what's awesome now? We pray with each other. Spending time with her is the the way our relationship blossoms. When I'm away from her and the other members of my family... I can remember the time spent with them, and this gives me great joy. It's like taking them with me. Do we rush out of the day forgetting to bring the Lord with us? Not spending time with him. 
Meaning, do we forget about the Lord and move on our day, trying to make it through on our own? But having the Lord with us, he will guide us through the life path he has designed for our benefit. Joy comes with bonuses, like peace beyond our own understanding. Power to overcome those challenging obstacles and the hope of an eternal destination in heaven. Our ticket has been purchased. The destination is in sight. This alone should be enough to light the joy flame in our lives. As we walk through each day, each one has its own obstacles, challenges, various trials, and other distractions which try to lure us away from the path God has us on. It's been said plenty of times, life is hard and not fair. God uses these challenges to build in our life, to build us up and draw us near to him. God does not want us to live lives of drudgery and depression, but with power and confidence in him. God wants us to live joyful lives in spite of the difficulties in front of us. He uses these for our benefits. Through them, he shows us who he is and what he wants in our lives. Why is joy important? It reminds us of God's love for us. It sustains us and keeps us going. It brings honor to God. It brings a connection with our faith to the people around us. We sung a hymn last week, and it really struck my heart. It's until then. Until then. I'm just going to read it. Six ninety six. I'm going to read the first verse and the chorus. My heart can sing when I pause to remember. A heartache here is but a stepping stone. Along a trail that's winding always upward, this troubled world is not my final home. But until then, my heart will go on singing. Until then, with joy, I'll carry on. Until the day my eye beholds the city. Until the day God calls me home. Stuart, you nailed it. It's time. As we close, I have two questions to ask. If you're sitting here today and do not know the Lord Jesus as Savior and the deep eternal joy that he can give, may you make today that day. It's a simple act of faith. If you're a believer in Christ and maybe may have lost the joy, you can go to God and ask him to restore that joy. He's waiting. Time's up. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're just so thankful. We're thankful for the the joy that you give us. In spite of the calamities that are going on 
in this world. We know you're in control. We know you have a plan. And Lord, may we just be a testimony as we go out into that world that may not have the joy that you offer, that may not have the peace beyond understanding. Lord, may you just bring us to you. May you use us for your glory. And Lord, I do pray if there's someone here today that does not know that great joy of an eternal destination in heaven and that relationship with you, may today be their day of salvation. Lord, I thank you for this privilege it is to stand up here. I pray that this message will be an encouragement to those who need it. Lord, I thank you for this time. It's in your name we pray. Amen.